to the secrets of the yoginis. In this podcast, I seek to explore the ancient wisdom of holistic health and share the very best secrets to help you experience vitality, wellness, and self-efficacy in your longevity. I'll interview wellness thought leaders. Listen as we explore holistic practices and the connections with nature. joining me today. My name is Angela Rosoff and I am the founder of Yogini Prana. I'm just so excited. This is my first episode and I am just thrilled to pieces to be able to have a podcast. I am a podcast listener. There are several that I follow and I the reason that I love listening to podcasts is I am, I'm just a lifelong learner. I spend my time learning. Um, I do online, um, online school. I do all kinds of lessons online, learning different skills. And I think podcasts are great because you can learn simple ideas or complicated ideas on the fly when you're driving, when you're walking, and it can just be such a peaceful way to get information and learn something that you didn't know. So I thought that this first episode would be um, apropos to introduce myself. I started this podcast with the hope of sharing the secrets of the yoginis, the secrets of yoga, Ayurveda and holistic health with my listeners. I've been told by friends and family and clients, you should really have a podcast because I love to talk and I love sharing and I love connecting with others and learning other people's stories. So in future episodes, I'll be interviewing the the people who I know in the health and wellness industry and people who I admire very much and I feel have a story to share with my clients and listeners. So I'll be using these as ways to teach my clients about different topics. And just to invite you to settle in with a cup of of tea or a beautiful glass of water and Let's dive into a little bit about my story and who I am, why why I am sharing the secrets of the yoginis. Who am I to do that? Well, I I have sort of a longer story. I I I'm not going to I'm going to edit it a little bit here, but just to give you a little bit of flavor of who I am and where I come from, I was born and reared in Eastern Tennessee. I was born in Cleveland, Tennessee, and grew up in a little town near there called Charleston, Tennessee. My dad and his family lived in Athens, Tennessee, and my parents split when I before I went into elementary school and It was at that time that I kind of noticed, wow, you know, it's myself, 
my sister who lived with us. I also have a sister who did not live with us, and I love both of them very much. They're both healers, incidentally, and they both are nurses and have different kinds of work in nursing, but heal others every day with their skills and their presence and are so lovely. But my mom, who was really the first healer who I knew, she heals folks with nourishment of food and her presence. She spent a lot of time growing up teaching me how to cook. And my first, um, my first action as a healer was when I decided to explore culinary arts. This was post-college. Um, when I was in college, I studied human learning and behavior, and I really was not prepared for college. I was very clueless on how to integrate the studies that I had. I studied um, human learning and behavior, like I said, and I had thought I would become a teacher, but as I did my student teaching, I just, I decided I didn't really want to work in an elementary school. I felt like it was just what I decided to do because I was a girl, a woman, and I had been told, oh yeah, you'd be a great teacher, you were a good babysitter, you'd be a good teacher, and I feel like it was just sort of a, a stereotyped uh, hat that I was wearing, and I was very honest with myself and realized, you know, I really, I don't know what I'm doing, and I really need to explore more, and continued my personal study of human learning and behavior in travel. I, um, I traveled around the world and really discovered myself in my travels to Europe. I, um, before that time, I had never really been out of the Southeast. I had gone to Florida for trips with my family. We went to visit cousins in Indiana and I visited cousins in Virginia and had gone on some high school trips to the Carolinas, but really craved learning more about the world. Because as I grew up in the South, I was, like I said, raised by a single mama. And at the time when we were um, able to stay home by ourselves. I, my, my sister was in middle school and she was gone a lot. She was very active. I always admired her, her ways of being in sports and getting active in clubs and she was always doing something. And I spent a lot of my, my childhood at home by myself and I embraced books and reading. I explored my mom's library that she had for us that included a couple of sets of encyclopedias, an atlas, we had dictionaries, and um, the Bible. I read the Bible during this time. I read so many things. I read about the Holocaust. I read, I, I really 
absorbed as much as I could about the outside world. I was also, as a teen, I was also a subscriber to magazines and really took an interest in beauty and exercise and really admired um, all that was going on out in the world. And what I was beginning to understand is where I grew up was was different than some other areas of the United States and the world. And I was so curious, like, what was that like? Because when I watched TV, when I watched Brady Bunch and um, Mr. Rogers was another one that I watched, I, I felt like those people were different than the people that I was growing up around. It was a different culture. And this time of my life was very defining for who I am and who I would become because there was um, an element of self-study. And I began to understand about myself that I, I liked that time of solitude, of being alone to learn by myself in the summers. And I also craved that exploration and being out in the world. I certainly had a, a robust extended family and my mom, she worked a lot, especially in the fall and the winter. And it was in those seasons that my health was difficult. I had a lot of sore throats and um, tonsillitis, as a lot of kids do and did back in that age. But part of the reason for that is I, I look back and I wasn't eating fruits and vegetables during that time. We ate a lot of processed foods and meat and potatoes during that part of my upbringing the fall and winters. And looking back, my tonsils being inflamed for so many seasons, so many years, was a big uh, communication from my body to myself and those around me that my immune system was triggered because the tonsils are, are part of our immune system and they help to create white blood cells in this part of our body, in the throat and the, the mouth. And it was, um, a, that was a big indicator. And my, the area where I grew up was in Charleston, um, known as a paper mill town. So we lived next to this big paper mill that produced uh, paper for you know, all over the southeast and around the world, actually. So it was a very large employer. And I grew up to admire this uh, factory because it, it was a place where people could work and have a wonderful living. But we would go out to our car and wipe off white particulate that came out of the um, plumage of smoke and our rivers were full of um, a lot of the, let's see here, the pulp 
and the waste from the processing of the trees. Many people did not eat the fish uh, in the Hiawassee River when I was growing up. Or we just didn't really want to do that. And that was the area where I was living. So that kind of pollution was part of my body. And I wasn't eating vegetables and fruits. So it's no wonder you know, that I was having immunity problems. And growing up in the summer and the spring, when you see my baby pictures, my children, my, my pictures of when I was a child, I was very robust and healthy looking and had beautiful hair that was flowing and, you know, big eyes and my skin was bright and perky. So that immunity system compromised um, situation in the fall and the winter for most of my childhood, it shifted after I had my tonsils taken out. And what shifted at that point, about a year later, um, I started my period. I had So I had a hormone shift. And what proceeded and happened at around that time is I had this horrible mouth rash, the skin rash around my mouth. And it would later come back. And it was a mystery. I went to the doctors. No one understood what it was. There was really no... Um, they couldn't offer any kind of medicine for it. They simply suggested that I rest. They thought it could have been thrush, but it it wasn't. So they couldn't they couldn't give me anything for it. I had a small steroid cream that I put on my lips at that time. But on the inside of my digest, so that's the very beginning of my digestive system. And on the inside of my digestive system, what what I understand now that was happening is this rash was was also throughout my digestive tract. And it was hard to eat. It hurt to eat. I was, it was very frustrating for my mother who loved to, you know, cook the food that she prepared for us. And she wanted to see people eat, right? And, um, and I, I just couldn't do it. I didn't feel well. It was horrible. I'll never forget it. And I was very thin. And I, um, I did, I, I believe I was, malnourished I didn't reach my full potential I believe everyone in my family is a bit taller than me I'm very petite and it was that was a very difficult time because I was out of school for about two weeks and I remember just looking horrified that my skin hurt so much and the appearance was horrible um, and I did, I just was not well, so I didn't go to school. So fast forward to my time in perimenopause. And as I am having some skin rashes on my face, I'm having some fatigue, hot flashes, sleepless nights. Um, this lip rash came back to the T. Exact same experience. But I had kind of forgotten about that until I had 
gone through the web of the medical establishment, starting with my general practitioner and weaving my way from my gynecologist to one dermatologist to another dermatologist when I started getting patch tested. I went to an endocrinologist who did not see anything that unusual with my hormone um, my hormone tests and it just it wasn't enough for them to think that I needed something some intervention and I found my way and before that actually so around the endocrinologist time I did see an Ayurvedic practitioner who suggested you know restoration and really calming nurturing foods and sleep rest restorative yoga which I started doing which really helped with the stress right but the rash there was something going on the rash was still there so I wound up finding a dermatologist through another gynecologist that I went to because I was just having so much dissatisfaction with the um, with the medical establishment I was going to, which is a world class medical system, <laughs> I'm like, was frustrating. And I and I went that path because um, holistic practitioners, what they were offering me just wasn't working, and there was a reason for that. And I learned from the the last dermatologist that I went to, who also had a background in endocrinology she did a third tier patch test which was expensive and you know for for folks who do not have insurance and I had insurance and this that helped with the cost but for folks who don't have insurance understanding your body and really creating some lifestyle medicine in your life to nurture your body and do the observation and self-study for those without insurance this is absolutely imperative that you become aware of your body and can learn how to heal your own body because I, I, I do have some privilege and I have great insurance so I got this third tier patch test which is intense on its own and you have to wear, uh, you have to be injected with all different kinds of chemicals. Um, this was an, an environmental toxin patch test, and I learned that I am allergic to propyl and octogallate. And this is an ingredient, it's a protein stabilizer that's found in oils of all kinds oils in um, foods, oils in makeup and skincare products, lotions. It's found in oils that are in food, like um, cake mixes in particular, salad dressings. It's in a lot of imported organic oils. And this, these two particular ingredients are not always listed and they have 
each of these have like a myriad of names to describe them depending upon the label. Like propylgallate has about 15 different names. Octogallate has about 25 different names. So it can be very confusing and difficult to understand. So getting solid information from this amazing dermatologist, if you need this kind of dermatologist and you're in the Bay Area, let me know and I will send her your way. But she sat down with me and gave me the full outline about what this was. And this was my body's immune response to um, toxins in my, in my world. And the way I was receiving these toxins of propyl and octogallates were from a couple of different means. One was from my use of essential oils by a very popular company. And I was at that time a distributor of those oils and I was over exposed to them. So this can happen when you're overexposed and it was probably that overexposure in conjunction with hormone fluctuation in my body because of perimenopause. So the two together created uh, this horrific rash on my skin. There was one day where my husband, he is so sweet and I really, <laughs> we've been together a long time, but it was during this time where I truly felt like, wow, we are gonna be together for life because anyone who is so sweet and could adore me and make me feel beautiful during a time when I literally had blisters and um, these rank looking opening sores all around my cupid's bow, my chin, and my lips. Anyone who could love me like that like, wow, I just, I felt the love so much. <laughs> so it was because of that combination, the essential oils and hormone fluctuation. So coincidentally, at that time, I was studying Ayurveda, getting certified to teach yoga. I just started a private chefing business focused on sharing Ayurveda and um, my clients who are who were amazing they are all executives um, in Bay Area companies very leaderly people and they were so understanding um, and very kind but also in their homes they had certain kinds of cleaning fluids that include propyl and octogallates. They had some perfumes in their home, some of them did. And this was just creating, um, you know, hypertoxicity in my, in, my, in my life. And it was through the removal of these ingredients in my environment that 
within about 10 days, the inflammation on my mouth was almost totally gone. I mean, really almost totally gone. And it was about two months after that that my digestive tract was healing and not as inflamed. And it was about six months after that that I had gained some weight back and was looking more like myself again. The glow came back and I was healing my body with this information and there was no medicine that could help. There was a steroid cream, but I couldn't use it for very long and it just... Um, it was only in the very early days of my healing that I used it, and after about four days, I stopped. But that, I could not take any medicine. So sometimes, medicine, there is no medicine, and the only medicine is our lifestyle. So that's when I knew that I really had to ramp things up because the defining part for me is that I can no longer work in other people's homes and now with COVID you know transitioning to an online sharing of my work was um, you know just imperative I went on to um, consult with my clients virtually sharing menus and you know working on zoom to help them balance their doshas on their own to create menus and cook for themselves or hire a cook for themselves to create um, dosha balancing diets for, for themselves this was specifically for my clients and a lot of these folks are on the road a lot anyway, um, but they were able to find other private chefs, but still working with my plans of diet and dosha, and, and they were having such great results. Um, after COVID, I've, I've been able to share this with people in my community, people who I love to work with, and it's been such a Pleasure, and I've really been able to see amazing results partnering yoga and dosha balancing. My clients have been able to realize their personal um, goals of diet and exercise, and also elevated spirituality, which you know I just think is fantastic. I just I love seeing the whole life have impact. And these are lasting changes. When you invite this kind of lifestyle medicine into your life where you are leveraging your routines and habits, you're really able to sustain this practice for the long term. And the fun thing about it is when you do the work of observation and, you know, I have a whole program if you're interested in that helps you achieve total body vitality. 
when you when you live within these principles, you can do this your whole life. So you don't have to search on the internet of how to, you know, solve the issues that you're having and continuing to have. You can actually step into your body's flow with the environment, your body's connection with where you live and the environment that you're in and feel the amazing benefits of having more libido, feeling passionate, feeling really juicy, accepting your body and recreating and reshaping your body understanding your own unique self-healing powers and how that works when you can wake up in the morning feeling refreshed and ready to receive and ready to give to the world which is what we're all here that's what we're all meant to do right is to be in the flow of nature and be a part of it. So that's what I do. Um, just to wrap up the the upbringing, I just want to say that my mom, you know, she's a single mom, and she did an amazing job. She provided for us. She made clothes for us. She loved us. She she helped us um, get to where we wanted to be. And I admire her so much. One of the best lessons I learned from my mom, who used to bring my mom, my sister and I to some funny <laughs> places. We used to, she used to take us to visit people because, um, you know, we were, I always felt like we had a lot. And... I never fully understood the kind of, sometimes we were on poverty level. Sometimes my mom, uh, we had food stamps, and I remember that block of government cheese, like, you know, a lot of people <laughs> know of it. And um, I didn't really like it. I thought it tasted kind of oily and weird. Um, but she would, we always dressed well. And presented well and she would take us out to visit friends uh, friends who were always worse off than we were who always had some loneliness and she would take us to visit them and we would you know we would um, be together and share stories and my mom would always bring food and you know, it always felt like we had so much when we did things like that. I, I never really thought we were poor, and we were. Um, we were low income for sure, and sometimes we're better than others. But we would go visit friends. My mom would take us, um, you know, every week, every weekend we spent time with our grandparents from one side or the other. And my mom would um, 
would take us to visit people in the hospital and she would take us to go to the funeral homes and that was always so funny just like so such a great example of the um you know the southern gothic feeling about just life and death and you know all of it was something to behold and my mom would take us to these events and I know it was to just show off her beautiful daughters and to share our presence as nourishment to others. She would, she was not a woman who would, you know, take the stage and talk um, a lot, but she's always there to listen, which I think is really what we all need most of the time anyway. I admire her so very much. And my sister, who has taken on a role of healing, she does the same. She holds space for people. She teaches others everything that she knows. And she literally heals people every day as a nurse. So proud of her. I'm proud of my mom. My dad was, um, he wasn't in the picture much. But we loved him and we admired his way of lifting people up through the uh, healing power of music and song. He was a singer and, and he healed people. He gave me another sister who I love and admire and she is a treasure in her area. She teaches nurses so she not only heals people but she offers that teaching of others and brings other healers into the world and her work and I admire her very much. I, after college I moved to the Bay Area and worked in the travel industry for a while. Loving that work. I probably would have continued doing that if, um, if it wasn't for September 11th, which, um, which is the day that I'm sharing this podcast because it changed so many people's lives, including my own. I found that I I um, am sharing this on September 9th, actually, today. <laughs> but I found that it displaced my industry. I was in the travel industry, loving it helping people, really enjoying my time, sharing stories, and I couldn't find work. I couldn't find work. And after all of my travels, I just, I started thinking, you know, the, the thing that I would really love to do is to go to culinary school because I had done a, a really short program in a Thai cookery school it just ignited my love for the senses and how we work in a kitchen and work with others and collaborate. So I was, um, I attended the Seattle Culinary Academy and just had a wonderful experience there. I was able to private chef and work in catering companies and had a small business doing some private chefing and catering. And in my last role in culinary, in like a professional capacity in that part of my life, 
I was a pastry chef for a fine dining restaurant and really loved that experience. Um, I decided to, after we had kids, I decided to study Ayurveda after I stood at my bathroom vanity and noticed that there was a lineup of drugs. My husband was typing and uh, we had little kids. Everything had just changed. There was, there was way more at stake now that we had children and we need to be well and see them through this life and support them. And when I saw medicines for cholesterol, high blood pressure, and gout, I, it just struck me like, wow, like, oh my God, all these pastries, these biscuits, brioche, pies, cakes, things that I'm making with the kids, which is really fun. It's literally killing my husband. And for many years, my husband, who is the son of a doctor, told me that, oh my gosh, this is, um, you know, just genetic stuff. Like, it's, I'm predisposed to having high cholesterol and high blood pressure, so I'll be on drugs my whole life at an early age, for the, what I would think. I had just accepted it, but it was in that moment that I saw this and we had our kids running around and I'm just like, oh my God, you know, we've got to make some changes. We've got to make some changes. And at the time, it would later, I would understand that I was approaching uh, perimenopause. And I decided to, I wanted to study nutrition. That was my big goal. But in our situation, you know, doing a traditional um, university program, it just didn't make sense to us. It did not make sense. And just the time away from the home did not make sense. So I was able to explore some other avenues. And I have always studied Ayurveda in college on my first trip to California. It's very... And when I think about it, I get really excited thinking about it because it was at the airport. I bought this book called Ageless Body, Timeless Mind. And I was 23 at the time that I was like, yeah, that's, that's the way I want to live. I want to always have my brain and I always want to look good if I can. And I read it cover to cover. I still have it upstairs next to my bed. It's written by Deepak Chopra. I've read many other books about Ayurveda since, and I studied with um, Johnny Mel in the Joyful Belly Institute, and um, and I received my Master's in Digestion certification. So I have um, I'm an Ayurvedic digestive health counselor, and it was in that moment when I realized, oh my God. I thought that it would, you know, I would get a certificate and then, you know, I could just like put a shingle up and start my business. But there's so much to learn. I realized I had literally just scratched the surface and it was um, an awakening to me that the breadth and depth of this amazing science, this holistic science that is 
part of a culture that is absolutely just benevolent and brilliant, the um, Ayurveda, it would need so much more study. I would need to be studying basically my entire life because of my entry point to it coming so late in my life. And that's what I've been doing. Um, so really, it's been about six years I've been studying Ayurveda, and there's so much to share. I, I know, you know, I still feel like I know so little, but I've been studying for many years now, and I have been sharing my wisdom. There's so much to share around doshas, the elements of the earth, nutrition, how to nourish your body, how to take care of your body. And if you do this kind of work for yourself, and I call it lifestyle medicine, if you, if you do this kind of work for yourself, you don't need to go to the doctor. You can be well on your own. And, you know, of course, Western medicine is so good for our bodies when we have an injury, when we're really sick, when signs and symptoms turn to disease. But when we are well, using the, um, the techniques that I share in lifestyle medicine, we can stay well. And that's the important thing, keeping our immunity robust, which has never been more important in this time of COVID-19, pandemic, global climate change. So I'm here, I'm sharing my wisdom with the world through Yogini Prana. I felt in my work with my clients as I was doing Ayurveda, digestive health with private chefing, that that direct need that I need to share with my clients includes yoga and movement because if we're nourishing our bodies with food and drink in the most healthful of ways and not attending to the movement of the body there really is you know there's no uh, reason <laughs> to do the work there's some reason but yoga truly enhances everything that we put into our body and enhances how we feel about ourselves and how we interact in the world. So that's what I did. I, um, I got my yoga certification. I've been practicing as a teacher for over a year now and really excited about where that's taking me in my virtual classes. I hope to be in a studio um, in person, doing in-person yoga as soon as it makes sense, but with the Delta, you know, everything's kind of on hold. So that's a little bit about me. And I just want to share that in my journey, I think probably the biggest um, takeaway for me is that sharing, collaborating, and building community is really everything to me. During all of this time, I was a community leader in my 
children's school, and it really took up a lot of my time. I developed leadership skills and really bounced that into my private chef work and working with executives. I learned so much about that style of communication and how effective we can be. I value my community work um, so much and want to infuse Yogini Prana with that level of community spirit. So I invite you to check out my website, yoginiprana.life, and you can learn more about my offerings. I have a blog where I you know, have free information about how to stay well through the seasons. And I teach yoga virtually. I have an online course that is launching next week. And I have a meditation app, which is live. And you there's a free meditation that you can try and see if you like it. If you like it, you can subscribe to my Yogini meditation. And, you know, embody the goddess that you are. Meditation is key to really empowering your body with that reset, that clearing of the mind, and that connection with our environment through meditation. So I invite you to check out all of that stuff. I hope I get to see you on my next podcast where I am interviewing an amazing health coach. Valerie Azanera. She is the founder of Go Simply Healthy, and I admire her so much. She is one of the reasons I dove into holistic nutrition and digestive health, and I I can't wait for you to learn about her story. So that's coming up next week. Thanks a million for listening, and be well in your life. Oh, one secret I want to share with you. I like to share a secret. Um, for every episode, that's my goal. My biggest secret for you is meditation. Whether you are able to do it on your own, to really drop into your body, your mind, and your spirit in unity, or if you need a guide, however it works for you, allocate one minute a day to begin a meditation practice and add a minute every day. And by the end of seven days, you will be meditating for seven minutes. And seven minutes is perfect. It's really a lovely amount of time and you can build from there. But one minute a day, give it a shot. That's my secret of the yoginis. Thanks again for listening and I can't wait to see your comments check out my website if you like this podcast share it and subscribe i'd love to see you again soon take care this podcast is brought to you by yogini prana yogini in sanskrit means feminine yoga practitioner Sanskrit prana means energy, vitality, vital life force. This space is a safe trauma and outer space for women.
total body vitality and want to build better connectivity with your body, mind, and spirit, book a free connection call to explore the various practices that may benefit your personal practice. Book the call at calendly.com forward slash yogini prana. That's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y dot com forward slash yogini prana you will learn so much in this call about your body that no matter if we decide to work together or not you will walk away empowered with a solid action plan to help you begin mastering the five steps to total body vitality in your world book your call today 